this is Robin Wilson of Gin Blossoms, and you are switching to Glide on Reliving My Youth with Noel Fogelman. And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Robin Wilson, lead singer of Gin Blossoms, who had a ton of hits, including this one, Hey Jealousy, which ironically we don't really talk about during the episode. Found Out About You, which is my favorite, Till I Fall Away, Allison Road, you know, you know the songs. We cover everything Jim Blossom, including their new album. Mixed Reality comes out this Friday. Robin, fabulous guests. We talk lunchboxes, we talk Batman, we share makeout stories. Great interview. Here's Robin.
And helping me relive my youth today is Robin Wilson. Robin, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Noel. Good day to you. Where Where are you at right now? I am in Connecticut, and it just started downpouring. So, uh, yeah, yep. hopefully we won't hear the rain. <laughs> I live on Long Island, and I can relate. It's it's pretty rainy there, very gloomy most of the time. Yeah, whereabouts in Long Island? Oh, the worst part, uh, Nassau County, not too far from JFK. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No. I... It's a mess. It sucks. Yeah. No, because I'm I'm originally from uh, from Queens, so I'm not too far from that area. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, there's there's things about it I like, but the part of town I live in is really. Uh, overdue for some sprucing up, you know, yeah. very very crowded and run down. But uh, you know, great people, great great uh, pizza. You know. Oh yeah, I know you can't you can't beat the pizza. It's like anytime yeah. I've I've moved to a place, it's the first thing you look for is pizza. You know, bagels and Chinese food. <laughs> there you go. Well, I always start with Mexican food. Oh yeah, and, that, you know um, that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah, but on Long Island there are no Mexicans. Uh, it's funny we've got every other kind of immigrant is represented but we've got no mexicans there making uh making good food so i actually make the best carnitas on long island for sure oh nice cool you'll have to make some sometime <laughs> yeah, yeah very yummy yeah because you're pretty much stuck within like you know taco bell or chipotle <laughs> yeah you know there's a couple of places i've tried but it's you know they just don't get it right so uh you know what can you do i just started cooking my own when I want it, and it's good. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty much on demand right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, but let's, let's go. Uh, before we go way back, you guys have a new album coming out, Mixed Reality, you know, June 15th. Uh, talk a little, bit, a little bit about that album and uh, why it took so long to release a new album. Well, that's, uh, why did it take so long? Uh, let's start there. Uh, a combination of the... I don't, we just didn't get around to it, you know. Uh, no, no real excuse. We just didn't didn't make one for a while. But uh, everything happens for a reason, and uh, maybe sometimes it does. And uh, this this record, mixed reality, it's it's fantastic. It's the best thing we've done in 25 years. And you know, if if it had been done any other way, it wouldn't be what it is. And uh, it's a really special record. You know, I've been doing this my whole life, and um, I think this is one, certainly one of the best two or three albums I've ever made. I think it's fantastic. So, did you do you guys use like any crowdfunding to uh, finance the album? No, we paid for the whole thing ourselves. We just saved up our gig money, and um, uh, we did it the way we wanted to. And then we found a label to pay us back for it. Hmm. So. Uh, it was. Uh, it worked out pretty good. You know, we're um, really fortunate to have been able to work with Don Dixon and Mitch Easter. And uh, you know, speaking of reliving my youth, yeah, REM, you know, uh, yeah, REM, The Smithereens, Marshall Crenshaw. I mean, some of my favorite albums were produced by Don Dixon. And um, if I could go back in time and tell my 20-year-old self that one day in the future we'd have an album that we recorded with Don Dixon and Mitch Easter, you know, and that, that kid would lose his shit. You know? <laughs> it's, it's really, uh, and, you know, writing the songs, I was able to sort of reconnect with my younger self, you know, the new 
going in that we were working with Don and Mitch, and so I had, you know, REM and the Smithereens in my head while I was writing the songs, and, um, and it, I was sort of able to hack into a younger version of myself. And I think uh, I wrote songs that that we would have wanted to play uh, in 1990, you know. And I think in a lot of ways this record is kind of the spiritual successor to New Miserable Experience. Right. How did you get hooked up with uh, those producers? Did you seek them out, or did they actually come to you? Well, it was kind of a combination. Uh, Don Dixon came to see us once when we were in Ohio, and I guess he lived nearby, and I guess he didn't have anything else to do that night. <laughs> so uh, he showed up, and... You know, the gig was over, and there's Don Dixon sitting on our tour bus. And, uh, you know, I, I sat down with him and just had a great chat. And, you know, I told him how, you know, if I pulled out my iPod, I could find 10 records on it that he produced. And, um, it was, you know, once, it was several months later, we started talking about, okay, let's go make a new record. And,. Immediately, the conversation was about self-producing it, and it, I just had a moment of clarity and uh, kind of stopped everyone in their tracks and said, no, why don't we call Don Dixon and, uh, and make a record with him? And um, so the band agreed, and we were thrilled to find out we were going to North Carolina to record at Mitch Easter's studio and that Mitch was going to engineer the record. So we knew we had this, this dream team. And so uh, we stepped up and wrote really good songs for the album. The whole process was, it was tough, you know. I mean, it's always tough, and it should be. If you're, you know, making making a great record, I don't think it should be too easy, you know. Um, and this wasn't. It was really hard work, but... It was what it needed to be, and we got what we needed to get out of it. And now it's in the can, and it's finally coming out. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely look forward to hearing it. Uh, now, like, what was like the biggest like difference from like making mixed reality as opposed to like new miserable experience? Well, uh, the big difference would be that you know we're 25 years older, so we're veterans. We know what we're doing in the studio, and we we know how we like to work, and we have a routine. So you know that's the main difference is that we're we're veterans now. We know what we're doing. Um, uh, aside from that, you know we're getting along way better now. Right. You know we had all kinds of turmoil when we were making New Miserable Experience, and you know it was you know, we're under a lot of pressure, and you know on that record and. We were just kids, and we were signed to a major label, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of pressure on us, and uh, certainly we were putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. And uh, now, you know, we're just more confident. You know, going into to this record, we knew we had good songs. We knew we had a great production team. The band was playing really well. We made some really good demos, and. Uh, we just had to focus and do the work. Um, like I say, which is pretty tough. You know, it's, recording in the studio is like doing math for 10 hours a day. It takes a, a, real, a lot of focus. And, um, you know, we stepped up and pulled it off. Go figure. Right. Now, like 25 years ago, 
you can measure, you know, an album success on sales, you know, now, what is a measure of success mm-hmm. for your album coming out now? That is a really good question. We really, we really don't know how to gauge it. Uh, you know, I can tell you this. If we sell 50,000 albums, it will be a big success in terms of the numbers. Uh, 100,000 albums would be a smash hit. So uh, I just don't know how to predict how many records we're going to sell. But I think our measure of success will be, you know, a lot of sold-out shows and people wearing our T-shirts and, you know, just the, the reception that we get from our audience and if we're able to build our audience and uh, take everything up another notch in terms of the kind of shows we're doing and the number of people that we perform for. But um, it's very difficult to predict how many records we're going to sell. I I really couldn't say. But um, like I said, if we sell 50,000, then that's going to be like a big success. Right. Now, like, you know, this summer you're performing with Tonic and Vertical Horizon. Uh, now, Yay! Yeah. How, yeah, how was fun. that? What's that? I'm sorry. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a great tour. Yeah, I I was hoping to come see you guys on Long Island, but unfortunately I, I prior commitment, so I'll have to see you next time. Um, now, when you do like a kind of like a, you know, 90s type tour like that, do fans expect just you know, the songs they know, or can you play, like, you know, four or five new songs? Well, we can do whatever we want. Right, true. Uh, But, uh, yeah, of course they're going to be expecting the hits, and, you know, that's not a problem. We know how to shake our moneymaker, you know. We we know what people want from us. But the new material is fitting in really well. We're doing six new songs in the set, and uh, all the hits, and then, you know, a, a smattering of personal favorites from some of the other albums and um it's a nice mix right now we got a really good set and it, you know about once a year we sort of rework the set and then we have maybe one or two versions of it but we usually find a way to start and end the show and then there's some leeway in the middle to switch some things around but um it's it's a really solid set right now and we're playing great we, we did about 110 shows last year and then we went out earlier this year and did another leg of the new miserable experience anniversary tour so the band is we're playing really well as well as we ever have and we're, we're all focused and we're excited and proud of the new record we've got new management and uh, new T-shirts and you know, so the the whole the whole thing is kind of rejuvenated right now, and everybody's feeling really positive. So uh, all we got to do is get out there and not fuck it up. Right, <laughs> that's the easy part, right? <laughs> uh, you would think, but uh, you know, but right now we're we're like I say, we're we're pretty we're doing great. We're playing well. We're getting along. We've got a good, great new record. Everybody's in good mood. And um, I, I don't really see anything standing in the way of us having a fantastic summer. Right. Oh, that's great. Now, one of your songs yeah. that 
you know, one of your big hits, uh, found out about you. I, <laughs> the first time I actually made out with my girlfriend, my now wife, was watching that video on, on VH1 <laughs> when actually. All right. Thank you. Um, actually, I have a similar experience when we first recorded it here in Phoenix, when we did the first demos of that song. I was out with my girlfriend at the time, and we were at, you know, make out point, you know, uh, we, yeah. we, like pulled up. We were in the back of the car just going at it, and and found out about you came on the radio. Oh, wow. that, was, <laughs> that was a really, really cool moment for me. that I rode Dallas and rode for. Actually, oh, okay. so. Yeah, so uh, I can relate. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I still remember making out with a girlfriend back in high school and uh, the vinyls yeah. came on MTV. And, uh, you know, I'm going up this girl's shirt and the <laughs> uh, vinyls came on. The song is called uh, Boys in Town. Okay. And, um uh, I still love I love the vinyls. They're fantastic, and I I have that on my iPod to this day. Yeah. And uh, you you can bet I always think about that girl yeah. <laughs> that song. So uh, you know that's what it's really all about is you know being able to create music that connects with people, and uh, I think that's the greatest thing about what we've ever what we've done in our legacy is that you know, people have memories like that. And 
that's why I do this is because, you know, my heroes made me feel that way. And I wanted to go out and be like them and, you know, create music that was a part of people's lives. So, uh, so very fortunate that we pulled that off. Yeah, you, you certainly have in, in my life. Uh, now, some of the, you mentioned a couple of influences before, R.E.M., Smithereens. Now, who are some of the other ones you grew up with? Oh, uh, well, uh, let's see, Tom Petty, Cheap okay. Trick, Queen. Uh, you know, my first concert was Kiss. You know, I've just, I've always been a rock and roller. And, uh, you know, as a teenager, you go through phases. So I went through a country phase. I went through a you know, punk phase and a new wave phase and a metal phase. And, and I worked at record stores all through the 80s and really sort of fleshed out, uh, rounded out my my record collection. And so, you know, I like to think that I have the most diverse iPod of anyone that I know. You know, I've got a playlist for virtually every style of music, jazz, classical, country. Uh, I've got playlists that represent, you know, different eras of music, oldies, classic rock, 80s, 90s, modern rock, um, punk, metal, you know. Um, like my, my favorite albums of all time are, it's kind of a diverse mix. Um, things like... Uh, Candy O by the Cars. Oh, oh totally. Yeah. It's always been one of my favorite records. And uh, Power Slave by Iron Maiden okay. is also in my top five. And uh, Queen, uh, The Game, I think that's my favorite Queen record. And um, and then stuff like, uh, you know, Smithereens and uh, R.E.M. And, you know, those, those records are, you know, have always been a part of my my brain. You know, never really stopped listening to that music. Right. You know, and I'm an I'm an '80s kid at heart. You yeah, know, so uh, there's a lot of stuff like The Cult and The Replacements and The yeah. Cure and The Smiths and uh, you know a lot of a lot of stuff from the '80s that's that's in my head. That was a really exciting time for music. You know, right around '87, '88. You know, the first time you ever hear The Pixies and oh, yeah. Guns N' Roses and you know Jane's Addiction and just so many fantastic you know, records coming out and music was, was really changing. Now that's really when the alternative music scene was coming into full bloom. It was right around that time. And it seems like, uh, you know, by the mid, by the early nineties, all the college DJs from the eighties had like real jobs at real radio stations, and that seems to me that more than more than any other single factor, I think that that's why um, things changed in music. In you know, like '92 when Nirvana released Nevermind, yeah. and you know, suddenly metal wasn't cool, and everything was all about alternative music. And I, I think you, I think you owe that change to the the people who were working on college radio in the 80s. So that's my theory. Yeah, and, and you guys, you know, fit right in with, you know, New Miserable Experience. That was, you know, a phenomenal record. But uh, I'll get to that one sec. Uh, you mentioned Queen before. Did you happen to see the uh, trailer for the Freddie Mercury movie? 
I haven't seen the trailer yet. No. Yeah, the guy who's in Mr. Robot plays Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, unbelievable. I'll bet. Yeah, check it out. I've seen a few photographs, I, I, and he, he, he seems to have totally copped the body language and everything. So, uh, you know, he's a great actor. Yeah, I'm so... Mr. Robot's a cool show. And, yeah, totally. Uh, so, uh... Uh, I, I'll be excited to see that. I understand, well, let's see, it was, it was being directed by Brian Singer, but I'm pretty sure, like, he left midway through the movie, or yeah. either he got fired, or so, I don't know. I don't know who who did they did they get Ron Howard to come in and finish it or I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's like every Star Wars movie, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. I don't know but, who they uh, got to finish. Well, I'll be looking forward to it for sure. My, the first album I ever bought was A Night at the Opera, and yeah. uh, I saw Queen on a television show called The Midnight Special. So oh, if yeah. you're talking about re reliving your youth. Um, you know, in the, in the 70s, we didn't have MTV or YouTube. You know, the only place you could see music was Saturday Night Live, American Bandstand, and, uh, you know, the Midnight Special. And so, you know, I remember staying up till midnight on Friday nights to see that show, and they played the video for um, Bohemian Rhapsody. And that was the moment it was like a, a seismic shift in my brain, and I knew at that at that moment that I wanted to be a rock singer, and I've kind of been on this path ever since then. Yeah, I mean, you're a tremendous per, you know, performer, and I mean, they're still going strong. I mean, Adam Lambert's doing you know a decent job of filling the shoes, but. I've heard that, yeah. My brother saw one of the shows, and uh, he said it was great. And, yeah, you couldn't really pick a better person. I was kind of pissed that I didn't get a call. Right. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you, he's, he's the right choice, I would think. Uh, maybe him or maybe Justin Hawkins from, from The Darkness would have also <laughs> been a good choice. Yeah, The Darkness, yeah. totally. Now, you, you... Yeah, well, that's my, one of my favorite bands. You know, and I hear people say all the time now that, Oh, there's no good music coming out. There's no good bands, and I'm like, no bullshit. Have you heard the new record from The yeah. Darkness? You know, that's that is like, you know, that is rock and roll in all its glory. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the problem is, like, just on regular radio, it's hard to listen to good music. You have to like search for it because it's it's totally there. Sure, sure. I've always I've always felt that way. You know, when you work at record stores, you you see that any any weird obscure genre of music that you are into someone is out there making great records like that no matter what it is death metal or lesbian bluegrass you know <laughs> you, you may not be on the radio but somewhere someone is doing it as good as it's ever been done and um i think the darkness is a great example of I think they're the world's best rock band right now. And um, another one of my favorites, the recent group, is called The Stripes. Okay. I think they're awesome. Great, great band. And, you know, in the spirit of the Yardbirds and the Jam and Elvis Costello and the, the Kinks and the Stones and, you know, it's really fantastic music. And they're, they're just kids, so hopefully they'll We'll be listening to records from the Stripes for you know for decades to come. Right, and you mentioned about not you know getting a call from Queen, but 
you actually did get a call from from the smithereens and i, I saw a video on youtube performing with them uh how did that come yeah. about well uh uh, Pat Denizio has always been a big influence on me, and right. uh, you know the Smithereens in general. And uh, Pat Denizio passed away last December, yeah. and uh, so I was I was asked to participate in a tribute concert in New Jersey on their home turf, and uh, when I learned a couple of their songs, they they told me what to learn, and I got there, and I'm like, well, I also know this and this and this and this and this. And they're like, oh, well, you want to do this one? And I'm like, yes, thank you. And then uh, just before the show, they gave me a call and said, can you do this other one too? And I'm like, yeah, I can definitely do it. And so, uh, you know, I uh, I kicked ass. And uh, they, we got along great. You know, we really hit it off. And uh, at the end of the night, I told them that I would be happy to perform with them again. I'd love to do a tour or, uh, you know, whatever they needed, you know, that I was I was available for them. And, you know, they, they don't want to stop playing, you know, and uh, we get along great. It's a really good vibe. And uh, uh, I've always been copying Pat Denizio's cadence right. and delivery. So uh, it, it's a natural fit. It really is. And, you know, again, talk about reliving your youth. You know, I, I go back in my head to when I was 21 years old working at the record store and, you know, listening to those Smithereens records produced by Don Dixon. And, you know, I, I got to meet them, actually. They did an in-store appearance okay. at the record store I was working at. And it was a huge thrill for me. And that night at the show, I took the set list off the stage and brought it home. I, I had that hanging up in my recording studio my, my whole life. And, um, you know, so again, here, here I am in the future in my fifties and, you know, our band has a great new record produced by Don Dixon and I'm fronting the Smithereens and it's pretty awesome. You know, so it's, it's really good. And it's a really full circle kind of series of events. So, um, feeling pretty good about that. And, uh, they, their wives and girlfriends gave me a, a nickname I'm really proud of. Uh, their, their girlfriends call me Tat Denizio. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, I've, yeah. I've, just, I've seen them, and, you know, they, they were great. And I watched your video, and you, you, you just fit right in. I think so, too, you know. And we, we, we get along great, and, you know, we know a lot of the same music. You know, they're a little bit older than me, so they're a little more into the kinks and the stones right. while I was listening you know, I, you know, I was about eight years behind them in terms of music, but a lot of the same influences, things like uh, Sam Cooke and Dion and the Belmonts and um, Buddy Holly, those kinds of things. We, you know, we have a lot of common musical DNA, so uh, it, it is a great fit, and I really enjoy uh, playing with Smithereens. So uh, they're going to do a show this summer without me. They're they're going to do a one or two shows with Marshall Crenshaw, okay. singing lead. And then I'm hoping to book some more dates with them for next winter. I so, hope, yeah, uh, hopefully. We're staying in touch, and uh, actually, team we teamed our agents up, and uh, we're hopefully going to do a weekend where the Smithereens are opening or performing with the Jim Blossoms. 
that'd be great. And, um, I, you know, I really couldn't do that for any more than a couple of shows without, you know, going crazy. crazy. Yeah. Totally. You know, losing my voice, but um, I'm sure I could pull it off for a weekend. So uh, we're trying to find some dates for that. Yeah, and just make sure it's in the Tri-State area. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to see. Uh, if you guys make us a nice big offer, there's yeah. somebody up there, to, you know. It'd be fun to play to play a joint like uh, Toad's Place. Oh, you know, yeah. That'd be yeah. a good, that'd yeah. be a perfect uh, venue. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that, that it's going to be in major cities, you know, like New York or Chicago or L.A., you know, as opposed to uh, the casino outside of Omaha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sure. And you know, those kind of casino gigs are great, but uh, you know, for those for that Smithereens weekend I want it to be in like major cities. Right. You know, real, real clubs and someplace like Nashville, you know. Yeah. 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 Now when um well, Yeah, when New Midgeville Experience came out, did you know you guys it would be a massive hit? Uh, did we know it New Midgeville Experience? Would be a, a hit. No, we there was no way. There was no way to uh, predict that. You know, we figured. Uh, well, first of all, we almost didn't survive the recording process. We lost our guitar player Doug Hopkins right. during the recording sessions, and we had no idea if we were going to get dropped or if anyone would ever even hear the record. You know, I remember right after we finished it, I went to Portland uh, to see this girl I was dating, and I uh, I had the mixes of the album, and I remember playing it at the bar that she worked at for one of the bartenders, and and I told him, you might be the only person to ever hear this. You know, I, I played him, found out about you, and he's like, well, this is, this is pretty good, you know, and... Uh, I'm like, yeah, it is. You know, I, I, we knew it was special. We knew we had done something really good, but uh, there was, we didn't know at the time whether or not it was ever even going to come out. And so many of our favorite bands, you know, groups like The Replacements, you know, they didn't sell a lot of records. Right. So we didn't really expect to sell more records than The Replacements. You know, that didn't really seem like it was in the cards. And I remember talking with our A&R guy sometime, right, you know, after we got signed. And uh, he said something like, oh, well, when you get your first hit, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wow, you think we're going to have a hit record? <laughs> and he's like, he's like well, you know, I can't predict how big it's going to be, but you guys are definitely going to have at least like one song that everybody hears. And I was like, wow, really? You know, I just... I, I guess you would you wouldn't sign a band without thinking that, but you know, hearing someone at our record company say, "Oh yeah, it's just a matter of time," uh, was was kind of shocking. And um, you know, the, when the album came out, you know, it took a long time for it to build and finally break. Uh, and and once it did break, you know, even though you know we were on television and we were in Rolling Stone and, you know, we were doing all that kind of rock star stuff, but it's still kind of difficult to grasp the level of impact that you're, you're having when you're living it. It's, it's kind of hard. And, you know, we weren't, we weren't the biggest selling band on the charts. So, you know, we, 
never really lost ourselves and never really felt like we're, we're huge, we're rock stars. You know, that never, there was never a moment where, uh, where I felt that. But there were a number of times where I felt like, okay, we've, we've crossed over into new territory and we're no longer just a, a local band from Tempe. You know, now we're, we're a national act. You know, there were moments where I had those sort of thoughts, but never really felt like, wow, you know, we did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I hope that answers your question. Oh, no, it, it totally did. Now, like, with that success, what, like, were there any, what was, like, the biggest challenge you had with that success? Well, uh, you know, the travel was tough, you know, it, it was just relentless for, for years. You know, we were pretty much only ever home like once every three or four months and you'd only be home for like seven days and then you'd be gone again. And, uh, you know, it's hard to maintain relationships and, you know, keep your bills paid. And, you know, that I, I think that's sort of a breaking point for, for most bands. If you can, until you've toured for three months straight, you really don't know whether or not you're going to be able to do it at that level. And uh, no matter how much touring you've done, if you haven't been gone for three months, then you still have yet to prove whether or not you can really make it out there. And so there's this like Darwinian mechanic at work that sort of weeds out bands that can't survive all that stuff. And, you know, it's tough. And a lot of that we weren't getting along and we're all conflicted. You know, we all have different, different rock and roll ethics. And, uh, you know, the more, big show business kind of stuff we did. You know, there was a contingent in the band that really didn't like being a part of show business and didn't like the fact that we were getting famous and especially didn't like the fact that I was getting famous. Okay. And uh, I remember there was, a, there was a moment where we all walked into this restaurant and uh, we came in single file. I was the last guy in the band to go into the restaurant. It was all crowded and as soon as I went through the door, the whole place like, looked up and said, oh, the Jim Blossoms are here. And just, everybody was whispering. And I'll never forget, uh, Bill, our bass player, he like, leans over to Jesse and he goes, oh, that's right. There's somebody famous in the band now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just said it with so much you know, disdain and regret. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Uh, it was a, it was a pretty significant moment, you know, and um, there were issues like that that led to our breakup in in '97, and it was you know kind of inevitable that it sort of fall apart, you know, and I'm glad we were strong enough to bring it back and get back together again, and and when we did. Bill was the one who sort of made it clear that uh, we were going to make it because he, I remember he said that everyone is, everyone in the band is allowed 
to have their own Jim Blossoms experience. Right. You know, this is this is all of our bands, and we're all entitled to do it the way we want, and uh, to have the experience we want. And so, uh, since reuniting in 2002, you know, that's that's been kind of our driving principle, and. Uh, and to this day, Bill has always been sort of the moral rudder of the band. Okay. He's, he's the, the heart of the band, the, the band's conscience. And um, I know when I've gone too far because I hear about it from Bill. And um, I trust him. And I want to be the kind of singer that Bill wants to play with. And so if I can do my thing and enjoy myself and it doesn't piss off bill then i know we're kicking ass right. and that uh you know that i'm doing it right so uh, uh actually just yesterday bill called and uh, he had an objection to we were about to make a video and he had an objection about the video and um i was like all right let's just cancel it you know, okay. uh, don't even don't even hesitate. There's no way I want to force anyone in the band to do something that they don't want to do. And um, you know, it's it's good. Bill's he's he's really good at sort of guiding the limits of you know how we present ourselves. You know, and Bill Bill knows where the edge is, and anything past that. He's probably right. Uh, if we did it, we would probably look stupid. So, um, um, I'm glad, glad he's there. You know, and more than ever, he's with the new record. Bill wrote fantastic songs, and on top of that, the bass playing is just phenomenal. I think it's really the best bass playing that I've, I think I've ever heard on a pop rock record. Oh, wow. You know, any any kind of alternative rock record, um, Bill's performance is just fantastic, and he, he really worked hard. You know, the last time we made a record, he was in sort of a dark place, and uh, since then he's, uh, he's really turned his life uh, into something positive, really positive, and uh, he's he's performing it. In, at a very high level and uh, his bass playing is fantastic and his songs are great and um, one of them in particular the, the last song on the record is one of Bill's it's called Mega Pond King We need to practice take my city's back streets There's plenty to see there only if you care Behind the thrifts and the mega if you're hungry or in luck, since the border's wide open, if you're tired, there's a park only if you dare. Behind the thrifts and the mega pond king, behind the chicks cast here. You're declining.
built in 1927 I once knew someone who was banned from there Behind the thrifts and the shadeless day labor Behind the chicks cashed here So come along with me cause you'll miss it on your own Graffiti art competes with muralist Behind the thrifts and the Don't forget it, but don't relive it. Don't get sucked back, pulling out of this town. There are places I won't revisit. If I don't miss them, they're fine without me around. Part, did you who made the first move to like reform the band? Did you reach out to Bill? Well, um, yeah, uh, well, all of us kind of it sort of happened organically, but I had I had written a song before we got back together again. I had written a song and I was recording it with a friend of mine, a local musician, a Phoenix musician named Lawrence Zubia, and we were working in my studio and I played him this song I had written. And he he looked at me and he said, Robin, that's a Jim Blossom song. And I was like, God, I guess you're right, you know. And it was right around that time that we were we started getting offers to uh, to get the band back together again and do shows. And um, so you know, it was sort of we were already kind of headed in that direction because we all needed to work. And then right at that time, you know, I, I wrote, you know, I wrote a song that just seemed like uh, it was perfect for the Jim Blossoms. And so it really felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. 
that song's called, uh, that one's on the Major Lodge of Victory. It's called Come On Hard. That's about one of your songs. Who exactly is Rita? song now of like all your songs that have been played like you know like in shows or movies or you know pop culture phenomena which like is your favorite like take on it hmm I don't know uh, well I suppose 
you know, the biggest, as far as that kind of thing goes, you know, having, uh, till I hear from you as the, you know, the lead track from that movie, Empire Records, right, yeah. um, you know, that was, you know, that was a, a big movie for the, you know, for young people in those days. like our, you know, it was like the breakfast club 
of the 90s, you know, and The Breakfast Club had that uh, Simple Minds song, uh, Don't You Forget About Me, and, yeah. you know, Till I Hear It From You is kind of the Don't don't You Forget About Me in the 90s, you know, so uh, that, I think, is our big pop culture meet, you know, moment, you know. Yeah, and then, you know, it was Rex Manning Day, what, about a month ago, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's funny. Yeah. And uh, somebody told me a few years ago, they went to a party at a record store called Rough Trade Records in Brooklyn. And it was a Empire Records anniversary party. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm like, well, why the fuck didn't we get a call? Yeah. You know, how come nobody invited us to this party, you know? But uh, a friend of mine, she's a DJ on Long Island. And we've become friends over the last year, and she, before we were friends or whatever, you know, that was kind of her favorite movie, and she was at that party and stuff. And so every once in a while she goes, yeah, it's, it's cool we're friends now because, you know, I've been listening to your music my whole life. So. Right. Yeah, I heard Allison Road, they did it on the Psych movie that came out last year.
Oh yeah, I heard about that. I, uh, I saw a little bit of a clip, and you know, my my phone started ringing a lot right around there. People, my, my friends and stuff, were pointing that out to me. Yeah, so, that was uh, pretty fun. That shit was really good. Yeah, that's cool. I'm, yeah. uh, you know, hoping to do that with some of the new material. You know, I've got uh, I got big plans to, you know, license off. Uh, some of these songs and like to get them in, placed in movies and played at the Olympics and stuff right. like that. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, uh, like Break in particular, a song I wrote called Break uh, really lends itself to... You can always hope that somehow you can rise above Empty bottles and regrets always piling up
about the lyrical content and you know how you know uh, earnest it was and he's like god did you write a song for like the marines you know or like for their recruitment commercials or something right. and it was just like so so positive jesus <laughs> and um i thought that was pretty funny so uh i'm hoping to get that song you know placed in movies and strip clubs or whatever yeah, yeah definitely definitely now are you still a big uh, comic book collector no, not really. You know, I I go out every, every couple times a year. Right. I'll stumble into a record store and make sure that I've always got a, a copy of The Dark Knight Rises oh, and totally. Watchmen and, you know, the the, the big milestones I, wanted, I like to keep on hand. I bought them all for my son. And, uh, you know, I like to go into those, those stores and get like a Frank Frazetta art book or whatever, you know, um, but as far as collecting, no, I'm, I, I still have my collection. Yeah, you just don't have um, got a lot of cool stuff, like, uh, you know, uh, original pressings of uh, Watchmen. And, okay. Uh, I've got Spawn 1 through 100. Oh, nice. And uh, I, was, I was big into image comics. Okay. And so I've got a lot of stuff like, you know, Savage Dragon and, and those kinds of things, and but I was mostly into DC comics. My favorites were Batman and Lobo. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I was really into Lobo, and um, uh, that other title, uh, The Demon. Okay. Who's uh, uh, the Demon Etrigan is now a part of the. It's going to be in that movie they're making, uh, Justice League Dark. Oh yeah. And uh, so they're working on that, and that's that's right up my alley. I was always more of a DC guy than a. Not a marble guy, right. and so uh, you know, I still uh, I thought the Justice League movie was great. I, I I see a lot of people complaining about it, but I thought they did a great job. Yeah, you know, I, I was kind of torn yeah. on it. You know, it's just like I don't know, but the yeah. I think I liked Superman, Batman better than Justice League. That was a pretty good movie. You know, I think Ben Affleck's perfect choice. Uh, for, for to play Batman, it's a fantastic choice. So uh, they've done a really great job of casting in that series, and obviously Gal Gadot is oh yeah, she's one fantastic. of the greatest of all time. You know, I was just talking with my friends yesterday, and uh, you know, Wonder Woman came out, and I I I put Gal Gadot right up there with my all-time favorites like uh, Raquel Welch and Julie Newmar. Right. And the girl who played Nova in Planet oh, of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Gal Gadot is, uh, is right up there. Yeah, totally. She just, she just owns the I screen. hope I'm saying her name right. I think, I think I'm saying her name yeah, right. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, the, I think the best uh, Batman is the animated series from the early 90s. Far and away. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Uh, yeah, Kevin Conroy is yes. definitely my all-time favorite Batman, and Mark Hamill as the Joker. And yeah. the, the animation, the, the, the style, the, the music, art style, yeah. so great. I, I hold Batman Animated Series as one of the greatest television series ever produced. You know, it's right up there with The Sopranos and things like that. And... Um, 
I've always been a fan, and I, I watch all of those DC animated movies that they, they've been putting out for like the last decade. I think they're all, most of them are really, really good. But yeah. uh, Batman animated series, I'm glad you said that. I, when I was collecting toys, that was my main thing was collecting Batman villains. Oh, okay. And I, I had a complete, in fact, I had two complete sets of animated series villains. I had one mint in package, and then I had another set that I would open up. And uh, it's, when I sold my toy collection a couple of years ago, that's the only regret I have is that I didn't keep at least one set or animated series villains. But um, I've been, I want to get a tattoo this summer, and I've always wanted to get either the the animated version of the Joker okay. or Mr. or Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And, um, or, you know, I'd love to do a whole uh, rogues gallery of them. You know, the, the designs on those characters are so great. The Riddler and Two-Face and uh, Mr. Freeze and Catwoman and all of the Penguin. Uh, I'd love to do like a whole collage, but I don't think I have space anywhere <laughs> on my on my body to do all of them. So I was thinking maybe just uh, maybe just the Joker or Mr. Freeze. No. Yeah, we'll that'd be cool. Yeah. I, I gave my son all my uh, Star Wars collection toys. I had a quite a few, and now he has them. But... That's great. Did, did he, does he, is he into it? Does he oh, yeah, get all that stuff? Yeah, yeah he's, he's totally into it, yeah. So he, he has awesome. like some things that are open, some things are on the wall. But the big thing now is like the sideshow uh, toy collections, those big sculptures. Okay. And yeah, yeah. he's got a couple of the uh, you know Luke Skywalker ones, and uh, yeah, this, the detail on those is just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, I miss my toy collection, yeah. but I just I when when my marriage fell apart, I kind of had to get rid of some stuff, and uh, uh, my toy collection was. Had to go, yeah. but uh, I still have all my comic books, and I I also collect lunch boxes. Oh, okay. I kept my lunch lunch box collection. I have about 150 lunch boxes, but they're they're all in storage. Okay. But uh, but I have really good ones. You know, like I have the uh, things like Super Friends, and oh, yeah. I've got you know I've got the Marvel, all the Marvel lunch boxes from the 70s and the 80s. So really cool uh, metal. Old vintage, you know, like the Hulk and yeah. Spider-Man, right. and uh, you know the Avengers, and uh, uh, got a lot of a lot of cool comic. Well, most of my lunch boxes were either comic book related or like Saturday morning cartoons, cartoons. Okay. you know things. So we're talking about reliving my youth. You know, I had I had things like the HR Puff and stuff yeah. lunchbox, and uh, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Okay. And, those kinds of things. Land of the and, Lost, uh, right. <laughs> Land of the Lost. And, of course, the, the Batman uh, lunchbox from the 60s is one of the prizes of my collection. I can imagine, and, yeah. um, and it all started for me. The reason I wanted to, I began collecting lunchboxes is because um, I, when I was a kid, I really wanted the lunchbox from Lost in Space. Okay. And um, I, when I grew up, I'm like, God damn it, I'm going to start collecting lunchboxes <laughs> and I'm going to get a lot, I'm finally going to get a Lost in Space lunchbox. And um, 
So recently, Netflix yeah, I know. Uh, has, it, has yeah. released a, a remake of Lost in Space, and uh, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. And there's virtually nothing else that can connect me to my four-year-old self <laughs> quicker than Lost in Space. You know, it's like uh, stepping through a time portal and, you know, looking at my four-year-old self watch that show. Right. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at it, especially when when, when lunch boxes were weapons, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the new Lost in Space is fantastic. It's really high production values and uh, fantastic uh, vehicles and scenery, and uh, they did a great job with the characters and uh, the whole thing. It's, it's a good show. Yeah, I'm gonna start watching that now. I just finished Cobra Kai, and that was phenomenal. <laughs> mm. Cool. Yeah. But uh, Mixed Reality comes out June 15th, and Jim Blossoms are on tour with Tonic and Vertical Horizon. Robin, thank you for a few minutes today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been a nice chat with you. We managed to uh, yeah, rip through that hour. We've been at it for about 55 minutes, so uh, obviously that was, a, that was a pleasant conversation. It's nice chatting with you, Noel. <laughs> And a special thanks to Robin for joining us today. Mixed Reality comes out this Friday. You heard a couple of tracks from the interview. It's a great album. You can follow the Jim Blossoms on Twitter at Jim Blossoms. Their website is JimBlossoms.net. You can follow me on Twitter at the first TheFirstNoel19. Be sure to like the page We're Living My Youth on Facebook. And then on iTunes, you can check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'd really appreciate it. Special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Reliving My Youth real soon. <laughs>